Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCabe. Hey, David, how are you doing today? Excellent, Bruce. Beautiful day out today. I went for a fantastic bike ride in the River Valley. So if you're biking in the third week of November, things are good. Things are good, even if your favorite team throws away a game that they should have won. It's still good, uh, but it could have been better. Bruce, 6-4 loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning, mainly on the back of um, a number of if, iffy decisions uh, by Edmonton Oiter players, iffy plays, um, and a failure of the big guys to get it done on the attack. Right, so that summarizes it. We'll do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. But first of all, how are you doing? How are you, how are you uh, hanging in there? Pretty good. A nice walk today. Yeah. Got uh, got um, a beautiful day out there. And everything went good until, well, even for much of the hockey game, I was enjoying the game. But uh, you know, this was a repeat of the Minnesota game. First it was game a where part- McDavid was hurt. They yeah. kept getting the lead and they kept not being able to hang on to it. Yeah, and as soon as they fell behind, I'm thinking that's it. That's going to be the game losing goal against, and so it was. The Oilers played a really strong game in a, in a lot of ways, and a number of players that had pretty good games. Mm-hmm. Um, and were depth players. Played well, well, Nurse mostly. I thought was good, for instance, and um, Nuge. But yeah. There was a lot of uh, the top players who didn't get it done. Bruce, what is your uh, what's your good thing in this game? Oh, I have to go with James Hamblin, Edmonton boy that's uh, uh, taken the overland route to the NHL after uh, never getting drafted, playing three years as captain of Medicine Hat Tigers and just getting better and better, getting signed to a minor league contract. Uh, by the orders, a sharp signing by them a couple summers ago, and then playing well enough in the AHL to get upgraded to an NHL contract. And anyway, today in his 16th NHL game and spread over two seasons, he finally managed to find the score sheet and score his first National Hockey League goal, a beauty too, on a, on a, a real nice uh, shot to the top corner that he celebrated and immediately scores, pointed skyward and uh, uh, essentially dedicated to his mom, Gina, who died of cancer when he was 17 years old. And having read and researched him a little bit when doing our prospect series and stuff, I know that was a, a, a major life event for him, as it would be, obviously, for many, many people. But uh, he speaks of her often. And anyway, that was... Uh, a big moment for him. And, you know, not just that, David. He had a goal in this game. He was plus two. And when he was on the ice, Edmonton outshot Tampa Bay 7-1. to Outscored him 2 nothing, And for that, he was rewarded with seven minutes and one second of ice time. Do you know how you spell his mom's name? Gina? G-I-N-A, I believe. He, um... Elliot Friedman, Elliot, Elliot Friedman mentioned it on Twitter. So, and he had her name right in there. So, G I N A? I believe so, yes. Died of cancer. 
Yes. All right. Just want to add that in the game grades because. Hamlin dedicates first NHL goal to Mother Gina. She passed away in 2017 of cancer. And this is uh, Elliot Friedman a couple hours ago. Okay, I'll say that. Yeah. Elliot Friedman. Yeah. And he's got uh, embedded in here, not the goal, but the celebration of the goal. So. Wow, that's uh, I didn't know I I didn't know that he that had happened. So that, that's a big moment. Yes, indeed. Very stirring. All right. Um, my uh, good thing, Bruce, was Warren Fogel's um, his overall play. I thought he was pretty inspired. He wasn't without mistakes. Which I will mention one later, but. His play, I think it was the 3-2 goal. Um, yeah, Tampa Bay had just tied it up, if I'm not mistaken, on this. And Fogel came, um, he put on his Connor McDavid skates, and he came charging into the offensive zone, making crazy moves, um, deking around defensemen, and taking that puck hard to the net, where um, his first shot almost went in, I think, on a deflection. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know if it was his shot, but it went in. It went it went hard at the net, and almost went in. And then Derek Ryan came in and cashed in that goal. Um, it was just a huge moment in the game. It should have been the moment where the Oilers got the lead and held the lead for. They good. got it back. Yeah, they'd blown the two nothing yeah, lead. They, had they got blown it right the two nothing lead. And you know, in blowing the lead, it would have been a lot of bad luck. Frankly, um, the puck went off. Ekholm skate on the on a cross seam pass, hard cross seam pass, goes off his skate right in the net, and it's a tough play for the goalie. The next one's a, a, a rush chance, and Ekholm gets his stick on Kucherov's pass across, but it still falls right back, back to Kucherov. So it was two really hard luck plays. The orders have been dominating the game, and it's tied two two. And that, but then Fogel, like it was just such a take charge moment in the game, which is why I think it was the play of the game. Um, from the Oilers' perspective, at least. And Warren Fogel's been bringing it all year, Bruce. He and, there's two wingers on the Oilers who, who stand out head and shoulders above the other wingers right now. It's Fogel and Hyman. And um, they're equally good. And Fogel's been getting all kinds of contributions to grade-A shots, not playing on a top line. I mean, he has played on a top line through this year, but he hasn't always, much less than Hyman. So he's He's just been spectacular, and that was a spectacular play by him. Your bad thing, Bruce. No, I'm going to have to call out Edmonton Oilers' power play. Reputedly the best in the game, and they got taught a lesson this afternoon. Uh, in five power play opportunities, no goals, uh, just six shots, and... After Tampa Bay had a 22-second power play and scored a dazzling goal in the, within the 22 seconds to tie the game at 4-4 uh, and then take the lead, Edmonton got a two, full two-minute chance with like five minutes to go in the third period. And you're thinking, that's you know, they got to convert here. Not only did they not convert, they couldn't make a freaking play at all. 
They couldn't make a pass. They couldn't get the control of the puck in the opposition zone. Tampa just charged whoever had the puck and then won the puck battle over and over again. And it was just, you know, they needed to, you know, especially having just been shown on the previous, you know, minutes earlier how it's done. And Tampa had like a six-way passing play, bing, bang, bong, bang, bing, bing, in the net, you know. And Oilers couldn't make a pass. And just very, very disappointing, you know. And they got four goals in this game, so you don't think offense let them down. But their big guns got nothing. Uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, all 0 0 0 minus 2. And with all the power play chances that they got, zeros across the board there. And just not good enough. Uh, Drysaddle had two great chances, uh, one of which he fired over the crossbar from the slot and the other one from the side of the net. I think what happened was Sergachev somehow, like it looked like he was pounding it in the open side and Sergachev just blindly swung his stick around behind and the puck caught the shaft of his stick and then off the side of the net like some of us just Tampa got some very good puck luck in this game Evan got some too like this was a kind of a ugly game and some of the goals were ugly but that was actually going to be a, a pretty one but they just couldn't duplicate and create any chances and and they just you know it's for all that this power play you know was the best in the league last year this was a game they needed needed their power play they had five chances they absolutely needed to have one goal or better yet two and they got nothing and leon connor you know connor's clearly struggling to handle the puck like he's he's uh um just uh uh sometimes just he's stick handling and he just sort of loses control for no apparent reason and there's clearly something wrong there and Leon in 23 minutes and 15 seconds in this game got one shot did they credit I, I agree with you Bruce based on the trajectory of that um, shot hmm. I think it looked like it was going in and I couldn't figure out how it didn't go in yeah. so I don't think it hit the side of the net I think it was it, well, after so. it hit his stick maybe oh, okay. but anyway yeah he definitely but I think got it, it with I, his stick, and yeah, I think, it's not I think a shot so. on goal because it's a block. It's credited as a block oh, yeah. shot for Sergeyev. Yeah. We but, we count those as shots on goals oh, because yeah. they're, they're, was, those are shots. In, that would, if a shot would otherwise go in the net and a defenseman stops it, we see that mm-hmm. as a save. Mm-hmm. As much as uh, you know, if it's it's got to be really obvious. We don't. It's not often we we credit a shot on a grade A shot on net, mm-hmm. but it happens about once every ten games. Where a defenseman yeah. will stop a goal um, by by um, blocking a wide open net. Yeah, the Tampa goalie goalie was shaky as hell, mm-hmm. and the Oilers still could win this game. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah the was shaky too. Well, I don't know. Come, like, were, well, I, very first play of the game, the guy there was an offside call at the blue line. The guy sifted in about a fifty-eight footer from the blue line. It went right through him. And I'm not sure if he heard the whistle or not, but I'm going. This isn't a good sign. And anyway, I just plugged in my mic. Can you hear me? Yeah, not good enough. Okay, not good enough is uh, what it amounts to. And, Funny, in a game with 10 goals, you'd expect the two guys that had 281 points last year to get at least a point. So no. I'm looking at you guys, you know, that's why they're paying you the big bucks. you got to come through in games like this. They know it. 
They know. They know it. The only one. Yeah, it, yeah. Hyman, uh, no points. Kane, Evander Kane, no points. Nuge, of course, the two points on two fantastic passes um, to send people. The shorty to Ryan was great. That pass was great. It, it really, really was. Uh, the other one with by Bouchard. It's just all Bouchard has just got such a tremendous shot. He really does. He is a he is an extraordinary shooter. Unfortunately, Bruce, he is not an extra. <laughs> Ordinarily, he is not an extraordinary defenseman. Maybe sometimes extraordinarily bad. That was the case tonight. His defensing, his defensive play tonight was was awful, and um, highlighted by two really bad pinches that led to goals against. The first one was on the four on four, and it's probably like a, it's not a fifty fifty puck, maybe a thirty seventy puck where Bouchard goes for it. Is that fair? So well, the odds are... particular goal, I don't think it is fair. Often he made a similar mistake the other night. We had no chance at this one. It looked like it was his puck. And Sergachev made a fantastic play, diving right. play to chip it past him. So credit to Sergachev on that one. Bouchard got, you know, he's trying to score on a four on four as well. I mean, so he got he just got beat there by a, by a great play by Sergachev, who had a fantastic game for Tampa. Um, but, fair enough. Fair enough. I guess Sergeyev. the other one. Oh, Sergeyev just has to. Um, Bouchard wants to control the puck, of course, when he gets mm-hmm. it. Whereas Sergeyev just has to knock it away, so he's able to dive, like you know. Yeah, so you can say oh, Bouchard gets out hustled on it. So I guess it's like a fifty. It look, it, it, we'll we'll call that one a maybe a fifty-fifty chance, and he lost the battle anyway. It leads to two on two on one and a goal against, and um, so that's the first one. The second one. Um, is the so that's the second goal is it the fifth goal four no, no it's, it's the four? third it's the goal third, it's the third three, goal three goal yeah because <sighs> we were all mad at him in my house and then he scored <laughs> and he scored <laughs> well that's actually it's after the next it's after this next play that he's he scores mm-hmm. he's made two bad pitches yeah. And on this one, it's just such a weird play because he gets caught up ice kind of on a bad pinch. And then he has a moment where he could recover, where he could, and he, and he just kind of cruises. He doesn't skate back hard. It's a typical Evan Bouchard moment that makes his haters, and there are many, go crazy, go berserk. I, I could just imagine the outpouring of scorn and disgust on Twitter on this play because He's kind of just caught flat-footed watching the play unfold because mm-hmm. he gets fooled. He doesn't think they're going to pass to the guy who's cutting in behind him for some reason. So he just kind of stands there and watches. And, of course, they take time and they make the pass. They break in and they score. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the um, cross-ice pass slammed to the net by Genot. Tanner Genot. Nice shot. Um, God, it was just... It was just brutal, that play. It really was. And, you know, if people have probably gathered by now that I'm I'm an Evan Bouchard fan, and I tend to be a little less judgmental about his mistakes because of what he brings on the, the attack. Package, yeah. Which is considerable. And he scored, a you know, that great goal on the great shot tonight. Right after that, um, four, four or five minutes later, he, he crosses the blue line and from the high slot just rifles in his a wrist shot, which few players are capable of doing, but he is. He can make that shot. And um, he did come back. But that was it. That was just 
a ghastly mistake. But then Bruce comes an atypical, like a guy who hardly ever makes mental errors on the ice made one of the worst mental errors of the season, of this season, which is saying a lot from the Edmonton Oilers this season. The, the puck's in the neutral zone kind of being fought for. Kulak steps up as the puck gets passed to a Tampa player. And he, Kulak steps up to try to, to win the battle in the neutral zone. And at that point, it's a good, I thought, a good play. He does lose the battle, which makes him a culprit on the goal against. But he's covered by, there's there's three players behind him when he steps up. There's Ryan McLeod, Derek Ryan, and Vincent Deharnay. All three players are behind him. And just two Tampa players. So, you know, you'd figure odds are, even if you get beat, it's going to be okay. But it wasn't okay because at the moment that the puck gets turned over to Tampa, Derek Ryan decides he's going to leave his spot. He's the man most likely to cover for Kulak. He's in the best position to do so. Maybe, maybe Ryan or maybe McLeod is. They both are in good position. Ryan decides to skate off the ice line change when Tampa has full possession of the puck and is counterattacking. So his bad line change is the, the by far the most significant mistake on this goal against. It doesn't happen if he doesn't make that change, but he does. Then McLeod fails to cover the man breaking into the slot who eventually scores and Vincent Deharnay allows the pass across. Um, how many times have we seen an order defenseman stop a cross seam pass? And seems um, like never. <laughs> seems like never. It, it seems does. like never. Like those it's passes like always click and the, the other guy always has a free shot and Skinner uh, is, you know, anyway. And even Unable. on the even, even on the one where Ekholm did stop the pass across, he got mm-hmm. his stick on it. It takes a you know he does his thing. Mm-hmm. He, I think he makes a great play there, but just bad luck, and um, it goes back to Kucherov and he scores. So yeah, we just and saves on saves on two hundred plays have been few and far between as well. The orders have just yeah. not come up with the heroic save or the heroic stop across. Actually, you know I expect those. Usually those those passes across, they're very often stopped. Oh, here's my cat playing around a hockey ball in our room here. So, um, but DeHarnay didn't get it. Well, McDavid and Drysaddle had a two-on-one, and McDavid tried to get the pass through, and the D-man went sliding, and he used his glove. He did everything in his power to stop the pass, and guess what? He did. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is either, Bruce. I don't know the role of the D man to take away the pass and leave the goalie the shooter, but Hey, they got a they got a as their defensive coach, Paul Coffey, who mm-hmm. stopped one of the most famous two on one rushes in hockey history. He did. It was um it was against the it was the key game against the Russians in the Canada Cup in eighty four. The Russians are the, the game's tied, the Russians are uh, rushing down the ice to score on a two on one, and Paul Coffey picks off the pass sends the puck in the other direction. And um, who was it? Tonelli and Bossy, right, are the two forwards. I think Tonelli wins the puck and Bossy scores it. Is that correct? Tonelli wins the puck back to Coffey. He shoots and Bossy uh, tips it in. And it yeah. was, yeah, it was uh, not just any, this was overtime in a sudden death semifinal game of the 1984 Stanley Cup. And absolutely one of the greatest hockey games that... Uh, uh, I've had the pleasure of watching. 
And it was, uh, anyway, it was a very famous play. It was kind of, the, the Soviets kind of messed up the two-on-one, to be honest. The guy didn't make a good pass, but Coffee was perfectly positioned to take pick it off. So maybe he can teach him. My, my memory of Paul Coffee is him watching more two-on-ones from behind while Charlie Huddy tried to break him up. And, <laughs> that is and him true. being the defensive hero. But uh, anyway, they had, I think, Tampa got four goals on two on ones in this game, counting that first power so play goal by Kucherov, and then three yeah, other ones. Get, yeah, yeah two on that. ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh yeah, two on ones. I so see uh, on that winning goal, uh, after uh, Ryan, who had a great game up to that moment and even beyond. Yeah. But that was that was just a, a really bad decision, and I don't know what he read. I think. He, he seemed to think Edmonton had the puck when it was a puck was up for grabs in the neutral zone. It's not a time to be changing out when you're in good defensive position. He, and, he was blocked from view, I think, from seeing who had possession in the moment, like for a yeah. microsecond when he made the decision, he didn't know who had it. That's what, that's how I read it. So Yeah, well, the guy who came on for him got a minus but didn't have anything to do with it. But the other guy, Ryan McLeod, like, what was he doing in that play? Like, he was back and it was just like, there's a guy behind you, you know, like maybe like skate hard, you know. And then, yeah. Bruce, with two minutes left, there was a, Kucherov had another breakaway where he didn't score. And um, there was it was the strangest play because it was five on five hockey. But when mm-hmm. um, Kucherov scored, there was one oiler. Fogel was going. He was late on the line change. He was going to change off. But he, uh, there was the orders were. Essentially, he just had four players. There were three forwards and one defenseman out there, um, Evan Bouchard. Fogel's going to change off. He's, I guess, the fourth forward. But they had four forwards and one D at that moment. Without They were trailing uh, by one with two minutes left, so maybe that was deliberate. Maybe it was deliberate. Maybe they wanted to get a forward out there instead of a D-man, but it um, bit them hard. But Kucherov didn't score, fortunately. Anyway... Um, just a, a not, those bad line changes were were uh, yeah. um, mainly Fogel. I guess I I initially take Kulak, but um, I think you're right. They probably um, he gave them plenty of time to change. It was Fogel's weird line change that uh, caused that breakaway. Bruce, uh, let's move on to our numbers. What is your number? <sighs> well, I guess I'm going to have to go with the. Uh, six times the Oilers have had 40-plus shots in a game, and they've lost every single one of those games. Yeah. And usually when that kind of thing happens, it's something that uh, uh, we refer to as score effects, where the team that's trailing all game is peppering the other team's net with shots because they're trying to come back. But in this game, the Oilers were actually ahead for large chunks of the game, and they never trailed until they fell behind for good with uh, 10 minutes to play in the third period. So for 50 minutes, they were ahead for maybe 30 minutes and tied for 20-ish. Uh, and uh, and they were badly out-shooting and largely out-playing Tampa. But, uh, they, and they got their shots. And weirdly, it was like the, the depth guys, Derek Ryan with his first two of the season, James Hamblin with his first of the season, and the top six were were shooting the puck, but they were getting but they were firing blanks. I mean, Vander Kane had six shots to lead the team again. 
uh, these among forwards, and uh, uh, McDavid had four, but uh, they had uh, uh, a lot of these shots came from uh, came from the blue line, which uh, is not necessarily always high percentage shots. But now it's six games, forty shots. You know, it doesn't seem to be the recipe for success, and it uh, it wasn't again today. Yeah. McDavid, uh, only one of his shots was a grade A shot, according to our mm-hmm. calculations, and only one of Kane's shots was grade A. And mm-hmm. um, McDavid averaged three grade A shots a game last year, and he's just he's he's well below that. I think he's about one point five per game this year. So uh, tonight he was just one. Yeah. Bruce, my number is the orders were thwarted tonight uh, in part because of the thing that's been thwarting them all year. This is even strength rush chances against. Tonight, the Oilers scored on two of them at even strength. There was also, of course, um, Ryan's breakaway at shorthanded, but uh, we're just looking at even strength here. So when it came to even strength goals on rush chances tonight, it was three for Tampa, two for Edmonton. This pushes the the, the number for the, for the season to 27 for the opposition and 12 for Edmonton. So um, it's just a weird situation to be so badly outscored. Um, I just think, and I've said this before, I think it speaks to Edmonton's impatience and frustration mm-hmm. in the offensive end. They're, um, the other teams are parking the bus in front of the net. They're stacking all their players in front of the net, mainly as a tactic to thwart McDavid and Dreisaitl. It might be there, but I, it's, I think a lot of teams have just moved to this defensive system because it's the system used by two of the very best defensive teams in the NHL, Vegas and Boston. All these teams are parking the bus. It's a park-your-bus league. And Edmonton just keeps ramming into that, ramming into it, and they get frustrated and they try to do too much to score. And they start to make mental errors. Um, they pinch in too aggressively, most commonly, and they give up an odd man rush. Some of it is bad line changes. We've seen two or three uh, odd man rush goals off bad line changes this year, including tonight. But um, I just think it's the Edmonton's, they're just frustrated and they're impatient. They're wanting to win. They're wanting to win now. And they're not um, willing to score goals, try to manufacture goals the other way, which is not by rushing into the slot, but by pounding the puck at the net and fighting for rebounds. Yeah. And part of it's poor coverage by the forwards. Yeah. Like we noticed uh, like two years ago after Jay Woodcroft came in and we focused particularly on Tyson Berry, but the the bad pinches that the defensemen were getting charged with just faded away to almost nothing. And the reason was that the bad pinches were turning into two-on-twos and not two-on-ones. Well, we're way back to wherever we were four or five years ago. Uh, with these guys, if the defensemen get beat at the uh, uh, offensive blue line, it's a two-on-one. Because where the hell are the forwards? They're out to lunch on all three of these goals tonight. Now, the four-on-four, you know, there is no sort of high forward to cover for that. And when, when Bouchard got beat, the two-on-one was was full length. But the other yeah. ones, there were forwards in position to do something, and they just didn't do it. Um like all three of those brush goals were two on one. So it's not like they came up three on three and made a nice play and scored. Two on one. The orders forwards engage in something that I call half checking. 
instead of backchecking. They rush back until they're almost caught up to the opposition players, and then they stop moving. So they, it's kind of a half, half-ass play. It's a half check rather than a back check. Um, it is it is frustrating. The conundrum tonight, Barust, is why do the Oilers keep losing games like this, this particular style of game? Because we have seen this game, we've seen this same game now a lot. And, and I guess I maybe covered it already a little bit with my this being so impatient on the attack and giving up rush goals against. So it's, that's maybe the, one of the prime stories. Any other thoughts on why they keep losing this kind of game? No, I, this was a game, and it was 2 nothing by, what, 10 minutes in? Yeah. And they were all over Tampa. They were creating chances, and it looked like they, they had a couple chances to make it 3 nothing. And then just at, towards the end of the first, they got what I consider to be a real cheesy penalty. And then Kucherov, who took the dive on the cheesy penalty, also scored the cheesy goal and the lucky deflection. And I, who am not a fan of Nikita Kucherov, even as I greatly admire his talent, I do not like him because I think he's a, I think he's a dirty player. And I, I also think that he, and of course, he's the one that's associated with the Tampa Bay uh circumvention of the salary cap that won the Stanley Cup. So anyway, I'm not a fan of this particular player. And he scored to make it 2-1 before the end of the first period. And I'm thinking, by all rights, Edmonton should be up by three. They're up by one. Uh-oh. And sure enough, it's similar to that Vancouver game where they threw everything but the kitchen sink at them in the first 10 minutes and and only had a one nothing lead. And then Vancouver came over the blue line twice. And it was 2-1 for Vancouver. And that game was over. And I've just seen too many games with, with leaky defense. I mean, they did get some goals. They got enough goals to win this game, but the defense was too leaky and the goaltending was too leaky. And some people online are blaming only the goalie because they're looking at five goals on 23 shots. And, they're, you know, but some of those shots, I mean, three two-on-ones. The only one I thought he might have had was the fifth goal. Like, like he should have yeah, had. Kind of went that through him. He might have had the other ones, yeah. but he should have had probably that fifth goal. Because if he had just come out more, he was just back yeah. in his net a little bit. But the other yeah. ones, I mean, Stamkos' goal on the power play, what a goal. Yeah. Ekholm's goal off mm-hmm. the skate, I mean, that's a really tough play um, for the goalie. He's just not expecting that. He's moving one yeah, way. It kind of went through him, but, uh, you know, you'd like to have a save there. Let's put it that way. Yeah, Kucherov's break-in goal, the second goal, it's just batting around, bobbling around, and then it's boom, it's in the net. And he it, opened up and he put it through his legs, play. yeah. I mean, yeah, that was a really tough one. But, I mean, when Kucherov's shooting from six feet out, it's probably not only the goalie's fault, right? Yeah, there was a one-timer I'm goal saying. from Chinot. For the third goal, that's a really tough shot. And and again, goalies have in the NHL, goalies should save sixty per sixty six percent of the really tough ones. So Stuart Skinner wasn't great in this one, and um, you know maybe I'll bump his grade down. <laughs> I thought I think of it because because they're you know Janot's it's hard goal to was from forty one feet. There, there is that. And there is that. Was that. a two on one. But Skinner was so far over that when Janot let the puck go, he basically had the six by four to shoot at. Yeah. And Skinner couldn't quite get over there to cover it. Like he just left. I don't know. You think they have enough practice on two on ones that uh, maybe they should respect the uh, the uh, potential for the other guy to get the pass and make a shot. But, yeah. Anyway. 
Well, I'm invoking the one hour rule and bumping Skinner's grade. Uh, it's not the one hour rule. It's after I talk to you on the podcast, Bruce, I sometimes change the grades a little bit because you pointed out something that I didn't think about. So 786 was it today? 783, 783. Big percentage, yeah. Yeah, like you need somewhere in there. And he did make a couple, like he stopped that Kucherov breakaway. He made a couple of really good blocker saves on deadly chances. What were the grade oh, A yeah. chances in this game? Okay, they were um, on the five alarm chances, the most deadly of all chances. It was 8-8 eight, eight mm-hmm. for the two teams. So it was a dead heat. Yeah. And it was 17 to 14, I think, on the grade A shots. If I'm not mistaken. So, the Oilers. Yeah, 17-14 for the Oilers. So the Oilers did have um, more great. But that's not 43-24. Like the Oilers had a lot more empty shots than Tampa did. The Oilers get a lot of empty shots, and they don't empty calorie shots. Yeah, they've got to get a few. They've got to get a few more guys going hard, 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 screening the goalie, going to the net. They scored one goal. Hamblin's mm-hmm. goal was was off Kulak's point shot. That's how you score. Yeah. against Park the Bus. And Gagne and Ernie yeah. were mucking around in front and the puck yeah. bounced out to Hamlin and they drained it, you know. Yeah, so That's all these goal. wingers, all these wingers and centers have got to just be a little bit more um, focused. And there's got to be one guy on every line who's going to do that. When you're designing yeah. the lines, one guy on every single line. So now they've got Connor Brown with McDavid. Maybe he can be that that guy. I, mean, I thought he was okay, to, pretty good tonight, actually. He just couldn't drain his uh, chances he couldn't yeah he looked bad on that breakaway because he flubbed it but um connor brown could be that guy or they could break up hyman and kane which would actually be my preference um neither of them are stellar defensive players neither hyman nor kane so but both of those guys will go hard to the net and uh, i think they would be the orders would better serve to have them on other on um although they do four check well together i there is that well, Brown but, uh, was all over the puck. I was fairly encouraged with what I saw of him. And, yeah, and so was I, Bruce. Again, I mean, Oilers had the shots advantage for what this is worth, 11-3 while he was on the ice. Like, the puck was constantly in the in, uh, uh, in the Tampa zone. It just wasn't going in the net, 0-0. Like, he wasn't, uh, like, he didn't make any defensive issues, but... <sighs> so... I think that's your 37th side of this of this podcast. This is a very frustrating loss, and this is they're already at a point where they can't afford to be pissing away two points in games. Even to take an OTL in this game would have been okay. That that is what I was thinking. That's the best that I was hoping for in this game because it just it just had that feeling they're not going to win this game because they're mm-hmm. they just keep pissing it away. Mm-hmm. But the, that one get that one point. We, yeah. we talked about going to this four-game road trip, and I was saying I'd like to see them two and two, and you'd say, well, I'd, you'd like to see them get two, two wins and a, and, a, and a loser point. So I was thinking at one point, okay, this will be that game. They're going to they're gonna get the loser point, and that'll be okay. But Instead, they gave up the tying goal, and then 39 seconds later, they gave up a two-on-one because they weren't patient enough to say, okay, it's tied now. Let's see it out, you know. Had Ryan been out on the PK? Was he tired? Like, like uh, well, that's not presumably a very they long were shift. out for the whole 39 seconds, but that's a early time. I think I shift off so fast. Like, I know that's about that's 45 second shifts are 
And he's a very conscientious player, Ryan. So he's thinking, I'll get off the ice. I've had by 39 seconds, which is not a terrible thought. But, man, I just, it was so fast after that You know, that he goal. wasn't even out on the ice for the face-off. So now I'm curious. Time on ice, Edmonton. Uh, and this was before the goal. Uh, 21 seconds. No, no, sorry, wrong guy. My bad. Uh, da, 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 da. It's going to be something like that, though. Uh, tw- 24 seconds. That would have been a good number. Like, why was he shifting off um, that fast? I just, it just, anyway, it didn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't, I don't quite see it. But, uh, yeah. So, Bruce, uh, no, they go to Florida next. Is it Florida? Okay. Maybe we'll let you. Maybe I'll let you dig into this. So we no, don't. No, that, there's a mistake. Like they don't have him being on the ice in the seconds leading up to the goal, and you and I both saw him making that line change. So. Oh, I see. They've so got the, the wrong players on the ice. Oh, that happens so, to the NHL yeah. uh, official mm-hmm. scoring. I think I I remember talking to one of the private analytics comp- companies, and they said it's mm-hmm. it's wrong. On 7% of the things it jots down on that piece of paper, the official scoring tab, 7% of them are incorrect, wow. according to their research over the years. So it's it's not, uh, it's a fairly significant mm-hmm. level of error in um, the official All the games. guys in Edmonton take great pride in it. And I, I uh, a friend of mine, Al Robertson, that was a minor scorer in Edmonton for 42 years. And he explained to me some of the, he did the actual time on ice stuff for a long time. And he explained how, you know, sometimes it would take him a while to go through and get it right. So you find out the next day or, you know, sometime after the game, they've, they've, uh, especially on scoring plays. But well, I'm sure I have my buddy Randy, who I play with in vintage hockey. I'm sure Randy makes no mistakes. He's a scorer for the Oilers as well. So we'll exonerate him as well while we're at it. Our two friends are these, perfect. Some of these road teams, you know, especially far yeah, yeah. south. Yeah, it's or they yeah. didn't. They, I, 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 yeah. Anywhere ice doesn't fi- form naturally, I'm suspicious about their understanding of hockey. I got to say. Fair <laughs> enough, Bruce. That's that's a fair comment. I don't think it's a bigoted in any way. It's it's a fair and assess a fair assessment of different cultures and what they know about hockey different and don't life, know about different hockey. life experience. Yeah, that's... yeah, I think it's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe someone in Texas would take exception to it, but I don't, I don't even think so. <sighs> okay, when's their next game? Monday? Monday in Florida. Well, they've had great success in recent years and uh, a lengthy winning streak in Florida, I believe. Anyway, it's always a, it's always a kind of a shocking win when they win there. But uh, now they got to win. They can't afford any two-game losing streaks. They can't, you know, they can't. It's already at the point where, you know, they won three in a row and they gained one point. Yeah, on the, on that's the, the way league. it's going to be. Yeah, so, it's if you can gain a point every two two weeks, you're going to be there after a couple months. It's going to take yeah. a while. It's going to be a long, hard slog back unless you get on a blistering hot streak. And uh, it looked, you know, I was already, of course, counting the points before they hatched early in the game. 
And it looked like it was just like, oh, four in a row. This we're is rolling. fantastic. Yeah, we're when, it, when it was two nothing, and they good. got the first goal of the year from two guys, and you're thinking, here we go. You know, now you finally got the whole team chipping in. And it's just a team that's chronically unable to defend. It's it's as simple as that. And um, it's the goaltending, and it's the defense, and it's the forwards. It's the whole team. They just can't defend. They're one of the worst defensive hockey teams in the NHL. On that high note, Bruce. That's what the numbers say. That is what the numbers say. That is what the numbers not say. Not just our numbers, but uh, all yeah, numbers the official numbers. Official numbers know. and underlying numbers and so on. And uh, do they all do all the underlying numbers say that? Because there's a lot of people who've been saying oh, the numbers uh, good. We have them yeah, that's getting. A, that's a good question. You know, when when you do the expected goals and stuff, but. In terms of the quality of the chances that they give up, like yeah. those that, I mean, the um, sites that count, one of the sites, uh, well, NHL Sid over at Oilers Nation, he's counting rush goals and stuff, and he's seeing the exact same thing we are. They're bleeding goals and games by their inability to defend the rush. And it is a huge problem, and today just tells us once again, they are nowhere near solving it. In deed, Bruce. I'm going to just end with one final statistic because I've almost located it. Goals against per game played. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one. <laughs> that biggie, that big one. Mm-hmm. And I uh, just have to do one final thing. The orders started out the year as the second worst team. They're 30th out of 32, 381. Is this before? No, that includes today. That Sharks includes. are the worst. Wild are the second worst. Then the Oilers. Yeah, 30th. Yeah. Good work. You got to it faster than I did. Um, yeah, Sharks, Wild, Oilers, Devils, Lightning. Lightning. Mm-hmm. What about Florida? <laughs> Probably the- Lightning are missing their number one star goalie. Florida mm-hmm. is one of the better defending teams. And Carolina has turned it around considerably early. Yeah, they've really turned it around. They're now mid-pack. So, all right, Bruce, let's leave it there. Thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.